We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. And welcome to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, about once a year, it's not happenstance, but it is a great privilege to have one of my favorite people on Across the County. Of course, I'm talking about Dr. Robert Jeffress. And about once a year, there's new resources and new books that he's been working on, and it helps expand the kingdom. That's what it's all about. And Dr. Robert Jeffress has released a new book back on October 4th, and this is a big one, and I mean it. In this new book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, Straight Talk from the Savior about the things that matter most, senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Robert Jeffress, he's also author and ministry host of Pathway to Victory. He takes one of the most well-known yet least understood passages in the Bible, the Sermon of the Mount, and explains it all. With that said, let's welcome him back to Across the County. Robert, Dr. Jeffress, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, great to be back with you, Noah. Thanks for having me. Uh, One of my favorite points of the year each and every year. So let's start off at the beginning, because I'm very intrigued about this book. What was the catalyst for you writing 18 Minutes with Jesus? I'm curious. Well, I want to assure your audience that I did not have a near-death experience go to heaven. And that is good. With Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's what people think when they look at the title. Actually, uh, I'm sure many of your audience, uh, Noah, are familiar with the TED Talks. They're very popular right sure. now. A TED Talk is a short, brief talk on a topic of great interest given by an expert. But the rule is it can't be more than 18 minutes. And I had this thought one day, what if Jesus were to come back and give a TED Talk? What would he talk about? If he could choose one thing to talk about in 18 minutes or less, what would he say? And then it hit me, we already have his TED Talk. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You can read the Sermon on the Mount in 18 minutes. And yet, even though it's very brief, it talks about the things we care about, things we're interested in. He gives us straight talk about our money, straight talk about uh, how to handle our enemies, straight talk about our sex life. He hits all the things we're interested in and gives us God's perspective on them. So this book, 18 Minutes with Jesus, is really a fresh look at the 2,000-year-old Sermon on the Mount for today. Does it relate today, and how does it relate to our everyday lives? You know, I'm just going to say it. Leave it to Jesus, leave it to Christ to do it first. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, the downside is my congregation said, if Jesus could preach in 18 minutes, why can't you? But that's, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <laughs> well, Dr. Jeffress, why is being straight, straight up with spirituality and religion, why is straight talk and not sugarcoating it when it comes to somebody's spiritual life so important in our current culture for believers and non-believers alike? Well, you know, I use two words to describe the Sermon on the Mount, radical righteousness. Uh, Jesus cuts away our expectations about what we should do. He even uh, cuts through what the religious leaders of his day said and said, here's what it really means to live a life that pleases God. 
And I'm going to confess something to you, Noah. I went 40 years without ever preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. I never wanted to preach on it. And I had two misconceptions about the Sermon on the Mount. First of all, I thought of it as, frankly, kind of boring. I mean, I had this picture of this wimpy rabbi munching on bird seed, sitting on a hillside, (laughs) saying nice things to people, and I didn't want to read a sermon of nice things. That's not what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's nothing nice. It's radical what Jesus is telling us. But the second reason I didn't preach on it was what I heard in seminary. Forty years ago, I was taught in seminary that the Sermon on the Mount is not for the here and now, it's for the hereafter. It's the constitution for the kingdom of God, how we're going to act toward one another in heaven or the millennium or whatever. But then as I began reading it, I thought, this doesn't make sense. Jesus said, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Now, who's going to be slapping whom in heaven? That doesn't make any sense. And then he says, pray for your enemies, love your enemies. Who would be our enemy if all evil has been vanquished? And I came to understand this is not a constitution for the hereafter. It's the way we're to live in the here and now. And it's the very best way to live. When you talk about whom is slapping whom, all I can think about is maybe that's something the Three Stooges should have paid attention to. (laughs) That's exactly right. And a lot of people, Christians uh, alike, look at Jesus and his teaching kind of like, a morality checklist. And that's kind of not the way we should be look at it, although it's true. And my comment to that, Dr. Jeffress, in part, is that it's much more than that. It's not a morality checklist. You can make boxes and check them off, of course, but it's a lot deeper than that, isn't it? It is, and it's certainly not a checklist of things you have to do to get into heaven when you die. I mean, as a non-Christian, it's impossible to live by the standard of the Sermon on the Mount. But with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit after you become a Christian, it really is possible to live this way, and it's the best way to live. I, I say the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount is this. Those who reflect the attitudes, attitudes, and actions of Jesus can experience unshakable joy in this life and unending happiness in the next life. I mean, Jesus starts out with the what we call the Beatitudes. He says eight times, blessed, blessed, blessed are people who do this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That word blessed, makarios, Sometimes it's translated happy, but that's a superficial emotion. You know, I always say happiness depends upon happenings, and therefore it's very fluid. But joy is that deep inward uh, assurance that regardless of what's happening to you, God is in control. You know, when those wildfires in California sweep through your state or the floods hit Florida. I doubt Christians are happy about that experience, but they can remain joyful knowing that God is in control and has a plan he's working out. Talking about current events, and we'll get to that in just a moment as we discuss more about your book, but it's always good to remember at the end of the day, Dr. Jeffress, that God is on the throne through it all. He is in control. Things will turn out like God wants them to, no matter how bad they seem to be at the moment. Right now, what I want to do is play one of my friends, another guest on the show, Jessica Brody, she's a novelist, a Christian journalist. I wanted to kind of rope her in in a small way into this interview. She's one of my favorite guests, actually, Dr. Jeffress. And she knew my interview with you was coming up. And she sent me a couple of questions for you regarding the Sermon on the Mount. 
So these are the questions that I have for Dr. Jeffress. The first one is, what was the most surprising lesson you personally have gotten from the Sermon on the Mount? And secondly, from your research and your own experience with people, why do you personally think that most people don't spend regular time each day reading the Bible? What do you say, doctor? Well, I think, first of all, for me, I think the most applicable part and powerful part of the Sermon on the Mount has to do with, with what Jesus said about prayer. And, and the heart of the Sermon on the Mount is his instruction about prayer. And he said, you know, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees or don't be like the Gentiles who think through meaningless repetition they will be heard for their many words. You know, so many people think that prayer is just a case of repeating the same thing over and over again, and uh, it's using the best theological words you can string together. No, he said, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave us a model for praying. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Interesting, Jesus never intended this to be recited word for word. It was not intended to be a mantra. In fact, Noah, you probably know this, there's no place in the rest of Scripture where there's any record that the disciples or any of the early church ever repeated the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't a mantra. It was a model for how to pray. And I run into Christians who say, I just don't know what to pray for. Should I be praying for the glory of God? You know, don't pray, pray selfish prayers, we hear. Pray for the glory of God. Some people say that. Or is it okay to pray for the things that I need most? Well, Jesus said, well, to pray for both. He said, pray that God's will be done on earth. Pray that God's be name, name be hallowed. But also pray for the needs you have, your daily provision, your protection from evil. I quote in my book a line from C.S. Lewis who said, when we come before God, we ought to pray for what's actually in our heart, not what we think should be in our heart. And that was really a liberating thought for me. I was just going to say, it, it, it's always been told to me over the years since I was a young boy that God always wants to hear what is on our hearts, what is our innermost desires, and also wants us to pray for those things to be in his will. If those things line up, he wants us to be able to come to him and ask for those necessities in life so that we can glorify him at the end of the day. That's right. And, you know, Jesus elsewhere in this Sermon on the Mount talks about persistence in praying. And uh, he said, remember, he said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. And in the Greek tense, it's a Greek language, it's keep on asking, keep on knocking, uh, keep on seeking. Uh, prayer is not twisting God's arm to do what he doesn't want to do. Uh, prayer is telling God what is really on our heart boldly telling him what we want and quietly resting in his divine will. You know, let's be clear, Noah, there's no place in the scripture that says God will answer our every request. Instead, and you alluded to it, 1 John five fourteen says, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. You know, God's will is like a boundary around our life. It isn't meant to keep good things from entering our life. It's to keep evil things from entering our life. I've kept a 
prayer journal for many years, and I look back on my prayer request from decades ago that God said no to. I am more thankful for those no answers today than no, I am for any of the yes answers, because I didn't know what I was praying for. I It would have been a disaster for my life and ministry if those things had happened. But when we pray, we ought to ask God for what's in our heart, whether it's a selfish request or whatever the request is, but then quietly trust in Him to do the right thing. That's what it means to pray in faith. We should also know that there's no prayer that we can pray that is asking for something too small or asking for anything too big. And the last thing I want to point out, and this is, was taught to me by one of my Christian mentors, actually, you know him, David Spoon, many years ago, that God can say yes, God can say no, and then God can simply not answer you right away. There's some times where you might pray for something and you might not get an answer, but it's also God's plan to get you to wait on that answer because it's not just time for you to know yet. That's right. And, you know, one thing I had a little bit of difficulty is in, in talking about the Sermon on the Mount and praying about why God said we ought to be persistent in our praying, you know, to keep on, to keep on. And then I thought about my own grandchildren. You know, if we're walking to a store and say, oh, Papa, I'd like to have that fire truck, uh-huh. you, know, you know, and then they never mention it again. I figured that's not something that's important to them. But when they keep asking me for the same thing over and over and over again, I know this is something that's important to them. And I think it's the same way with God, our Heavenly Father. Makes a lot of sense to me. Noah here on Across the County. Dr. Robert Jeffress is my guest, and his new book is something that I hope you check out after this interview and pick it up and start diving in. 18 Minutes with Jesus, straight talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. He's also senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, and leader host at Pathway to Victory. Well, we're going to leave the book at the moment because I have to ask you, while I have you here, Dr. Jeffress, a couple of current event questions. Sure. First off, we are in a nation more divided than I can remember in my lifetime. As we head into perhaps one of the most consequential elections for modern history in our nation, there's accusations on both sides of the aisle. And no matter what anybody's view is on it all, where is America at this pinpoint of history when it comes to the end times? I'm seeing some signs kind of transpire, but I want to know what your take is on it all. Well, first of all, our country's never been more divided than it is right now since the Civil War. And it's a polarization that I'm afraid is going to continue. And that doesn't bode well for the future of our country. But God's plan does not depend upon the survival of America. I mean, I've just preached through the book of Revelation. We're getting ready to air it on Pathway to Victory. And as many of your listeners know, America uh, is not mentioned or alluded to in the Bible. Uh, The final government will be a ten-nation confederacy presided over by a dictator called the Antichrist. What has happened to America at that time? Uh, I think it's probably part of that ten-nation confederacy. Interestingly, the Constitution will have been abolished by that time. The way I know that is, during this final world government, there's no freedom of commerce, there's no freedom of speech, there's no freedom of religion, therefore there is no Constitution. So I think, you know, we need to be aware of that. But I don't think we need to live in fear, Noah. I mean, the fact is, yes, there's Armageddon coming. Uh, President Biden talked about Armageddon. I'm not sure he would know 
Armageddon from a hole in the ground if you knew what he was talking about. But, I mean, the fact is Armageddon, you know, raises a lot of fear in people. But Armageddon is just the uh, pregame event before the greatest event in the world, and that's the return of Jesus Christ. And that's something we look forward to and can rejoice in. And at the end of the day, that's what matters because we should be – uh, wanting Christ to return tomorrow. And if we're focused on the Lord and we're focused on Christ, that's a good thing. But at the same time, stand up, make sure that we let freedom ring and the elections are coming up. Make your vote count. And hey, we want America to last as long as possible. But at the end of the day, we also want Christ to return. By Final way, question for you here, Dr. Jeffress, regarding current events, but it was a yeah. big one that I actually read about at kprz.com, our station website. And I was browsing articles on there. And in one such article, I uh, read something that was pretty thought-provoking by Dr. Roger Barrier. I don't know if you've heard of him. And the title of the article is, Does the Bible Predict Nuclear War? Again, we're not living in fear. I just want to know your perspective on things. And he references the war between Russia and Ukraine. And alongside the intimidation of Vladimir Putin, there's fear of nuclear bombs being dropped. And the reader that actually wrote into Dr. Roger Barrier had this simple question. Are nuclear weapons mentioned in the Bible? Now, I certainly don't know the answer to this. And being one of the most biblically sound pastors I know of, and you're here, I'd like your response to Adam, the reader, when he's talking to Dr. Roger Barrier. Are nuclear weapons referenced in the Bible? Well, I think they're alluded to in the final judgment that comes upon the earth. Uh, talked about in the book of Revelation, there is a reference to uh, a great explosion that takes place in the air and fire in the air. Uh, I think it's referring to uh, a, a nuclear explosion. There's only uh, really one way such a thing could be fulfilled, the immediate devastation that comes on the earth during the final judgment. I was just turning in my Bible to Revelation uh, 16, Verse 17, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and uh, there were flashes of lightning, sounds of peals and thunder, and there was a great earthquake, and there had not been since man came to live upon the earth, and a great earthquake that divided the great holy city. I think that's a nuclear explosion. Again, how would John, living in the first century, explain what he saw as he was transported in time to the future? I think that's a description of that. Well, that's amazing, and that's why the Bible is the greatest book ever written, so divinely inspired. And thank you for those answers. I know these are some interesting times, but it's always good to get perspective, to know where we are headed. And before we leave across the county, and again, thank you, Dr. Jeffress. Thank you, Robert, for coming on the show and just gracing us with what your book is all about, 18 Minutes with Jesus. On that, I would like to know what you hope our readers, your readers and our listeners take away from the book when they pick it up and they read it and they want to know what they should be reflecting on. Well, what I hope people will gain from this book is a realization that living by the standard Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount is not only possible for a Christian, it's profitable for a Christian. It is the very best way to live. And it's possible because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. If I could say, Noah, this book, uh, 18 Minutes with Jesus, it's available on Amazon and in Hobby Lobby, but there's also a study guide that goes along with it that makes it a great book for a group Bible study study or a Sunday school class. 
Well, that is great. And I want you to check out everything Dr. Robert Jeffress does and that he's about. PTV.org is the ministry website. PTV.org for Pathway to Victory, which you can hear right here on K-Praise, 11 a.m. and p.m. Monday through Friday. It's one of my favorite programs on the radio station. And again, I love connecting with Dr. Jeffress about once a year. Talk about the new resources, the new books that he's writing so that we can expand the kingdom. That's what it's all about. Robert, thanks for taking the time. It is really an honor and a treat to have you back on the show. Any closing words? You've got it all. Thank you so much for having me, Noah. Noah here and across the county. Pick up the book, 18 Minutes with Jesus. Straight talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. Rockstar Energy Punch, bringing a bold and unapologetic flavor packed with energy through a blend of B vitamins, guarana extract, and 240 milligrams of caffeine to fuel what's next. Rockstar Energy Drink. 